Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week we discuss the bonkers movie by Disney, John Carter. We try to parse out the plot a little bit. <laughs> What's the difference between a barsoom and a jarsoom and a thern and a thern? Uh, yep, that's about right. I feel like Dr. Seuss. We head over to Romance Corner to talk about John Carter and Deja. Are they meant to be... I take particular issue that this movie is dedicated to Steve Jobs. I talk about Sola, my favorite character, and that dog, which I don't remember the name. And my favorite character is that dog, Woola. All this and more, this movie is really bad, on Movies on the Side. All right, Nate. This week we reviewed... The 2012 movie, the same year that the world ended. Disney movie, John Carter. That's just the title of the movie. It's not John Carter of Mars, but that, that's the idea. It's John Carter of Mars. Right. Nate, I had seen this movie floating around in the ether for a long time, always intending to see it because it looked up my alley. Mm -hmm. Kind of sci-fi-ish. It's on another planet. looked action-y. Disney movie, so it had to be at least semi-decent. It's been, yeah, it's been in the ether. Oh, but before we get into any specifics, Rotten Tomatoes. John Carter, 22%. 52% critic score. Wow. Yeah. And the audience. 42. 60, Nate. 60. (laughs) Nate, this movie is bonkers. (laughs) This movie. Oh, man. From the very beginning. No spoilers at first. We're going to have to get to spoilers pretty quick, though, because there's a lot of specifics to talk about. Right. First of all, I subjected my wife to this movie. We watched it together. This is probably your wife's nightmare of a movie to watch. (laughs) It took two nights. Just a side note, this is staying in the show. I actually gave out some business cards to people for the podcast the other day for the first time in like forever. You know, I said, uh, Whitney's on the podcast sometimes too. (laughs) Or like I quote her on the podcast Mm -hmm. when he was like, you know, disclaimer, uh, I don't know what he says about me on the show. And I say, I I always tell you what I say. And so I'll I'll double check this line with her. But at the end of the first night, the next day, I was like, all right, you ready to finish the movie? And she she said, you know, I purposely tried to fall asleep during the first half. (laughs) Because she actually did fall asleep while we were watching it. So she did not even want to see it. She weaponized sleepiness against this movie. (laughs) That's right. She didn't even want to see the second half. So I was like, so I should watch it by myself? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. So she did not even see the end of this movie. But she equally thought it was bonkers. Let's start from the very beginning. But this movie begins with a sound a little bit like this. Mars. So you name it and think that you know it. Long ago on Barsoom, the Zodonga people and the Helium people uh, fighted for the Kasnasi. Now the Kasnasi are finding in this home. Oh, so here on Tasum, for a thousand generations, I'm so and mad. I wanted to say just stop for a second (laughs) i don't know what any of these words mean (sighs) you are throwing out so many and if you are just bragging about the rich fiction of this world this comes from none of these words mean anything to me there is a start to this movie that feels antagonistic when it comes to the knowledge that I'm supposed to have about this world. (laughs) Right. There is a clever movie-making method where, 
a lot of serialized shows do this as well, where they feed you a little bit of evidence right. about the rich world a little bit at a time, and it's enjoyable because you're discovering it. This one dunks you into the terminology of this world, like, enjoy this. <laughs> and I did not like that feeling to start a movie. The voiceover said so many names and so many, it was so weird. You know it as Mars. We call it Barsoon. I was like, but Bassoon? <laughs> Why don't you just call it Mars and Earth? Like, let's at least simplify that. Like, we have to figure out so many other names in this movie. Just give us Mars and Earth. <laughs> and then this movie, it goes from sci-fi to steampunk to Wild Western, back to sci-fi in the first 10 minutes. Right. First Virginia Cavalry, Army of Northern Virginia. Like, that's how quickly the genres changed. And it, it is so jarring. It, it was just bizarre from the outset. Okay, quick backstory. Welcome to Wikipedia Corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So this comes from A Princess of Mars, a 1912 part, first book of the Barsoom series by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Okay. Now, Edgar Rice Burroughs is also the writer of Tarzan. Ah. Just a lot of like a rich sort of thing. By the way, he was born in Chicago, Illinois in 1875. So shout out to my Chicago guy, Edgar Rice Burroughs. (laughs) Okay. This collection of books is monumental. Oh, I see. This guy can write. So this whole John Carter series, obviously Tarzan. Again, this was written in 1912. Wow. Like, this is kind of groundbreaking stuff that George Lucas, when he made Star Wars, just plucked just willy-nilly from this. Like, yes, yes, love it. Jedi, Jeddak, <laughs> sure. A princess, sure, Princess Leia, like uh, just grabbed these Banthas. Right. Well, t- I'll take this. I'll take this. I'll take this. <laughs> There's wampums, basically. Yeah, I mean, like I have never read the books. It yeah. seems like kind of hollowed literature, like really good sci-fi stuff. That there have been talks and plans to make this movie for a long, long time. Right. Like back in the eighties, like we can do this. Right. And it has been a La luna irresistible for people. They want it, but they cannot reach it until 2012 and $270 million later, Right, this movie was made. So there's a Vulture article that I'll put in the show notes. But it basically talks about one of the reasons why it was doomed from the beginning is just the cinema world in general had borrowed so many of the ideas from these books from 1912. And they make a ton of connections to the Star Wars trilogy, everything from like the Sith, like I guess insect, like evil insects in the books and like mm-hmm. Princess Leia's famous bikini from Return of the Jedi, I guess yep. the princess from the John Carter books, they wore it first. And then like you said, it's too, it cost $250 million to make and it supposedly grossed only $30 million domestically. So pretty much a flop. I think there was even discussion that like back in the 30s, that this may have was thought of as maybe this could be the first animated movie instead of Snow White, oh. like a John Carter movie. It might have been a lot or Princess of Mars better anime. I think it might, it might have had a chance and earlier, not 2012, because you have so much other things before. But anyway, this movie's bonkers. I can't tell if this movie, which comes from sources that is sort of the godfather to all these other things like i'm like i got dune vibes obviously star wars the like arena scene from phantom men or uh, attack of the clones 
like all of that. I can't tell if it has been ripped off so many times that that's why it seems like I've been here, done this. Right. I got Valerian. Yeah. The City of a Thousand Planets vibes. And it's like Mortal Engines. Like it literally sounds like Mortal Engines at the beginning because they're like, this city. The predatory city. Yeah, they literally say it. And they literally have the scene of like, you see the city like grabbing the ground and moving slowly. Like this is literally Mortal Engines at the beginning. Is it just possible that we just watched a movie that would be a great grandfather to these other movies, but we just watched it so much later that it just feels like a knockoff. I also think it's bad, though. Like, I don't think seeing this movie before... And also, maybe this is explained in the books, but as far as what the movie gives you, the biggest premise of the movie, why John Carter is special, is because for some reason on Mars, he can jump really high. Oh, because of gravity. But also... That doesn't give you super strength. Oh, bone density. Wait, wait. Listen, I can describe all these things. It's due to the atmosphere. It's sort of <sighs> like um, Superman is normal on Krypton. Yeah. Based on the, 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 the planet's yeah, the, makeup and how... The problem is we know about Mars now. <laughs> we have a rover up there. We think we know about Mars. Oh, I see. There's actually a Barsoom up there. I'm pretty sure that guy at the intro says something like, you think mm. it's desolate and... Red turns out it's full of life, which I looked at later and I'm like, that doesn't seem that full of like no. plants. <laughs> no, no, the amount of terminology, like we said a second ago, like the barsoom, jarsoom. One of my notes is, what is a jedak? Because this movie uses the word jedak. Initially, I thought it was the guy's name, the green guy. No, it's it's the leader. It's the leader it's of a, like a, a leader, group. but we're, but it's never really explained what that is. Like I guess it's like saying captain or yeah. general. Maybe. Or king. But that's never abundantly clear until later, because you hear, what are the green people? Therns? No, the Therns are the, the Mark Strong people. Oh, that's the Mark, yeah. The, who have the, the power of rapid 3D prototype strings. Oh, my word. The, well, then what is it? Is it the Thans? Is it the... The Tark... Tarkas. Tark. There are so many terms in this movie. Through the sacred gates of Is and find everlasting peace in the bosom of Isis. Let's talk about K- Taylor Kitsch's John Carter. Okay. That's a, I think that's the main, I would say, one of the main points of this movie and why I think we can all agree this is not a great movie is the main character is ultimately, sorry Taylor Kitsch, mm. not super likable mm. or engaging yeah. or Han Solo-y. <laughs> Name of sender? Carter. John Carter. It's hard to like him. Like, if he couldn't jump high, he would be very uninteresting. Like, he was interesting at the beginning of the movie when, you know, you see this mansion and, like, this crazy map and he looks like a conspiracy theorist person. Like, he's interesting then. He's interesting when he's sending the telegram in 1880s steampunk New York. Mm -hmm. But then once he's on Mars, it's like, me. Can I do my john carter impression and see oh. if it if i can get close oh man oh, please this do. is kind of how he sounds throughout the movie to me this may be wrong here we go my dear edgar i remember how i used to take you on my knee and tell you wild tales which you always <laughs> did me the great courtesy of believing now you're grown time and space have parted us but i reach out across that distance to that same wide-eyed boy I ask him to believe me once more. This wild tale begins 13 years ago in the Arizona Territory. That's pretty good, Nate. 
I'll give you that one. That might be your one out of 20. You can play the actual John Carter voice afterwards, but whether he's yelling, no, don't do it anymore. No, Deja, please, please stop. (laughs) It's sort of like a guy doing a gruff action hero voice. Like if I was trying to pretend to be an action hero, but I was kind of a meathead too. (laughs) Why the door can only be opened from the inside. For if my body dies on Earth, then my copy dies on Mars. Part of the thing is, he's in this Western and he's like a Southern guy before he gets to Mars. And then I think he loses some of that charm when... And maybe a little bit of that Southern accent every once (laughs) in a while. I feel like if you would have had the Knives Out Daniel Craig with like the heavy accent... Real Orleans. Yeah, like if he was doing that on Mars, at least that would have been kind of funny. I mean, he was New Orleans but. Gambit in the Wolverine movie, which, by the so, way, yes. the crossover between Wolverine actors yes. in this movie. <laughs> yes. I was looking at that, too. So the Princess Deja, which is Lynn Collins, and Taylor Kitsch, they were both in the X-Men colon Origins Wolverine colon movie. They uh, played together there. He was a cool Gambit. I mean, he was only on screen for like five minutes. And but. she was a great wife of Wolverine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She looks very different in this movie, too. But anyway. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I don't know when we should need to rate this and sound the spoiler horn. But the accents in this movie, across oh. this movie, between <laughs> yeah. John Carter, who speaks in sort of a southern, kind of like an action hero voice the whole time, mm-hmm. and Deja, who speaks in kind of a British, uh, transatlantic <laughs> sort of sound. Yeah. John yeah. Carter from Earth. Right. Welcome to... We are here on Barsoom. Where did you learn to jump that way? Followed by Willem Dafoe's sound. William Dafoe's voice really sticks out in this movie. There are a lot of different voices that I I don't know about. And then you have Mark Strong just being Mark Strong. Yeah. Just being a British bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was weird too. All right. Let's rate this movie. Okay. On a scale of zero to five telegrams. Because that was one of the coolest parts of the movie, just seeing a telegram being sent. Right, before we saw Mars. And also the whole amulet, he's basically like, it's basically like a telegram from <laughs> Mars to Earth. Not a bad impression yourself, sir. Thank you, thank you very much. What did he say? Like, this is a tele... Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it doesn't make can't. any sense. Doesn't this make is a portal, sense. and he's like, oh, I get it. I was sent like a telegram. I'm a human telegram. Oh, this makes me sick. Okay. Don Carter from Virginia. Virginia! Give me your rating, Nate, and then we'll get into spoilers. John Carter is a one and a half telegram movie. <laughs> there are redeemable things in this movie. Really? It's 15 minutes of it. Mm. To me, it involves Sola as actually a character I cared about, who apparently the director of this movie did not care about. Can we also just stop for a second? The director of this movie is Andrew Stanton, who directed Finding Nemo and Wally. I think we can all agree are two great movies. Mm-hmm. You love Wally more than me. I do. I love Finding Nemo. This live action movie is not good. I don't know if it was just production problems or script or acting. I don't know what made it not come together. It is like watching someone walk without a skeleton. It is just gobbledy, 
muscle and sinew kind of just blobbing around. It's a troubling image. <laughs> That's what this movie, it doesn't, it tries to make the form of a person, but it's lacking some really important backbone. Mm. I am not a movie maker, but I think smarter people than I could identify what is about it that makes it the uncanny valley of movies. Yeah, I did not enjoy it. For the most part, it had a few moments that I said, okay, that's pretty good. But I walked, I watched it like it was my job to review it, not as someone who watched it. And can I just say, I think no one has seen this movie. No, no one. I had the same thought as you. Oh, I'll definitely watch this movie sometime. Right. And I know this movie has come across my plate many times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just haven't. And I think that's most people. Yeah. It doesn't pull you in. There were some behind the scenes marketing issues and the trailers and all this stuff but man i think like jumanji it might just be a movie that needs to kind of just be buried in the sand and it's amazing as a disney movie to be that bad by the way as a disney movie there's quite a bit of violence and decapitation and slicing through people in this. all the blood is blue so it's okay so you can so you can make it as bloody as you want that's right. All right. Well, I'm going to give this movie one. This movie's a one. It's not good. I don't want to see it again. I don't. I mean, if you have Disney Plus, you can subject yourself to it so you can enjoy listening to this podcast afterwards. But it's not good. I also, my biggest issue with this movie, I don't know if you waited long enough for the credits to roll at the end. Yes. But shortly after, a slate comes up and it says, dedicated to Steve Jobs, <laughs> an inspiration to us all. Did you see that? Right. Steve Jobs of Earth. Steve Jobs, founder of, of Apple and who ran Pixar for a while. The Steve Jobs, like yeah. the titular Steve Jobs of Apple. Yeah. To dedicate this movie to Steve Jobs, A, I see zero connection. You know, you want to make a movie about... I think it's the connection to Pixar and the people who worked on this movie were inspired by Steve Jobs and he was, you know, yeah. there's that connection to Pixar people. So I'm guessing that there was something that's, about it. That's what it was. And I'll put this article in show notes too. And it talks about how the director, Andrew Stanton, had wanted to dedicate a Pixar Disney movie to Steve Jobs. And this was just sure. kind of like, it, it was unfortunately timed because Steve Jobs, I think, died in twenty late 2011. And right. this movie came out in 2012. And so it was just kind of like the first movie that was coming out after his death. Right. But just that alone is like, ugh. I would have moved that dedication somewhere else. That's, yeah, that's... There's tough. another Disney movie, too. So anyway, I give this movie one telegram. It's not great. We have done in the past the movie Valerian, City of a Thousand... Pla Valerian colon, A City of a Thousand mm. Planets or something right. like that. Yes. I don't know what I rated that one out of five, but if this movie... If I rated it the same or above what I rated Valerian, I'd like to adjust this so that it sits below Valerian. Because <laughs> I would honestly rather watch that bonkers sci-fi movie that is very <laughs> yeah. weird than this yeah. one again. Same. I agree. <laughs> So you talked about violence there before the spoiler horn. And I have to say, I think there's a scene when the green forearm people kill a bunch of their own babies and eggs. Did I see that right? Yep. Yeah, that's weird. Yep. Very strange. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Just to your point about the violence, like, yeah, there's like some really weird parts. There of are like a lot that. of people that get sword blue blood splattered yeah. in this movie, which Again, I don't mind because it's blue blood, and I think Disney sure. knows that too. Sure. It's like you can deal with a lot of people getting there. Uh, John Carter jumps at that one Tarkin guy 
I'm sorry if I'm just butchering it. There's probably someone out here who listens to our podcast who loves these books, who has a Google search mm. image for John Carter, who's like, <laughs> they're called Tarchins. Do not disrespect them or whatever. <laughs> but they jump yeah, at yeah. each other and he yeah, cuts yeah. off the head of the leader. And oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. that head just rolls. That was a bit of a gladiator moment. Yeah. There is also the scene in the final battle scene, which there's this weird moment where they like they charge the city and they're like, "Where is everybody?" And then there's like one guard. They're like, "Well, oh, they're at the other city. They're at the other one. Oh my, like, guard at the gate should have told you. Why even do that? <laughs> like it's on. The, like this movie's long enough as it is. You don't need to do like, that kind of stuff. The ending of this movie. It's so bad. The end is really bad. You like you think that what we want to see at the end of this movie, like the final action set, is a bunch of people sword fighting, blue v red, like I'm watching a Halo video game, which by the way is so dumb. It's like, all right, I'm I'm glad that you know that I'm not going to remember helium versus Zadonga or whatever, and I'm just going to be like, <laughs> right. look at who's red and who's blue. Yeah, right. But it's just a bunch of them fighting each other and them almost killing Mark Strong, but not. And that's it. And then he gets sent back and it's supposed to be like, get it? I was never, I never did come back. I had the, you know, I was here to find the, oh, oh. No, I don't, I don't like the ending. The one scene I was going to say, the, the wampum, the white beast arena battle. The apes. The white apes. The apes. I was okay with that scene. Of all the action scenes, like that was okay. But let us talk then about the ending and the plot. So you have these Therns, the Mark Strong uh-huh. bad guy character. Uh-huh. And these are supposedly messengers of a goddess called Issa. Or, but are they I mean. actually? Well, and this, this was my issue. Like, well, first of all, the, the princess, Princess Deja, the main mm-hmm. female protagonist, she doesn't even believe that these things exist. Which I'm like, you're on Mars and you have all this crazy stuff. I, in this world, it doesn't seem that far out there. Right. But she doesn't believe in any of this thing. And then she sees the temple or whatever. They go to like the, the Ocarina of Time temple. Yep. And, you know, they see the thing. The thing. That's right. I'll, I'll play my Ocarina right here. I'll, okay, I'll put perfect. In that, that, that audio. She believes it then. So the Therns are bad. We don't know, like, Mark Strong has this monologue at one point that was telling John Carter's, like, we don't cause Ugh. the end of the world, we just manage it. Oh. Like, what even does that mean? And, like, you said it as though they do this to a bunch of planets. Like, this is just one planet in a long right. line of planets. We don't cause the destruction of a world, Captain Carter. We simply manage it. No motivate, no actual motivation there, just kind of a... Right. Oh, then there's another line where John Carter's like, oh, immortal doesn't mean bulletproof because I shot your friend. It's like, well... He, is, he does have a point. Like, I don't understand. Are these beings eternal and invincible, or are they just eternal if they don't get shot? Does Mark Strong look like Mark Strong for all of eternity, or was he a kid at some point in time? And then there's, like, the ninth ray energy that is supposedly all-powerful, but uh, not powerful enough to stop the If you could bullet. see my eye rolls at all of this. <laughs> I can hear them. They're audible. The ninth ray that Deja is... Oh, my goodness. Hold on a second. Let me compose myself. Deja is... A princess, yes. A fighter, and maybe a scientist. She definitely and a scientist. he and John Carter calls her a professor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at some point in time. Too. She wears a lot of hats, not literal hats in this movie, <laughs> just figurative. She has a lot of henna tattoos, also that too, which is a plot point that is completely thrown away 
five seconds later because she's been like working on her own like ninth ray like yep, i've yep. discovered some things i can kind of do this and then she gets sabotaged by a fake thern or whatever yeah. and then never again it's like oh wait she is she a scientist like it never goes into that's like and now put on your princess hat and then when we're fighting put on your like warrior hat so you don't think the goddess part the thern part is real but the goddess part is not I mean, we never right. see or hear from this. Right. Issa. I think we're supposed to believe that the goddess whole thing is like part of the lore, but the real people that are doing stuff behind the scenes are the therns. I feel like this entire universe, and maybe the books are different, but that feels way out of balance. If there's like this group of, I guess, millions or thousands of therns wreaking havoc in the universe, and there's no real counterpart. And John Carter, again, speaking about the ending of this movie, Gets another amulet by tricking a thern into something, sure. trying to stab his nephew, breaking sure. into the whatever. The kid from Spy Kids, yeah. So he goes back to Mars, but like Mark Strong is still out there and supposedly millions of other therns. But I guess John Carter satisfied to just kind of live out his days with Deja and like, that's it. Oh, we're going to have to get the romance corner soon as well. I guess so. Yeah, I guess... And I hopefully she waited for him for the whatever ten well, years. Well, that too. But then we we see a cutscene of her like saying something uh, at the end, like she did wait for him, but unclear. Anyway, I I don't like that whole area of the plot. I don't. I feel like it's really weird. We get no closure on the therns. The plot is so strange because what they choose to focus on yeah. is like. Why did we spend any time on a horse chase in the desert and like, <laughs> and uh, like war and cavalry stuff and hit, and uh, what's his name? Oh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they spent time with like Civil War era Brian Cranston and this whole like this scene that it's like I think that's part of the movie that I don't understand is that what they choose to spend time on. Yeah, feels like. It was important if the movie had gone a different direction, but it didn't. Oh, and time time is also totally screwed up in this movie because when he gets sent back to Earth by Mark Strong, the Brian Cranston character is like a skeleton. So it would seem like years and years and years have passed. It is? He is? Yes, because when he lands back in the cave, his body's like petrified, John Carter. Like he can't barely move at first. Uh And he looks over and he sees a skeleton of where... Brian Cranston. No, I don't think that's was. Brian Cranston. I thought that was uh, the the Thern he killed. Oh, uh, maybe. Okay. How long was he gone for? Well, that's what's not. That's what's unclear. How does time work? This is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I'm not sure, but I guess it's also unclear. Got to read the books. It's now. unclear how long he was on Mars and sent back because from when they win the final battle to when Mark Strong sends him back, we don't know how long. Anyway, convoluted to say the least. Let me ask you one question of a, a believability scene early on in the movie after the ninth ray thing uh, malfunctions or is sabotaged princess deja and her father argue together <laughs> how'd you feel about that chemistry between the father character and her he will spare helium if you accept his hand in marriage it is rough yeah the father's like He's not a real person. Like his his character is not like real. He's just kind of a plot device that plops in as like right. I can't tell if he like loves his daughter, knows that like she's doing a a sacrifice to marry this jerk. Right. Who I don't remember his name. Sabthan. 
Yeah. Sabthan, played by Dominic West. Right. Another right. terrible name. Sabthan. And they marry under the <sighs> converging moons. And I can't tell if drinking, like she needed, once she drinks the magical water, does that do anything? Yeah, who knows? So, okay, so let, romance corner. Is that yes, what you're going to say? Roma- yep. Yeah. Give it to me. What's your romance corner? I, I don't I don't think that John Carter is good enough for Deja. <laughs> he is so wooden and so just blah. Like you said, if he if he doesn't gummy bear jump his way around Mars yeah. and like punch really good, I'm not sure if there's much to him that makes you go like, "Ah, I'd marry you." Yeah. She tells him this line at one point. We may have been born worlds apart, but I know you. (laughs) No, you really don't. Sorry. It doesn't work that way. So, no, I don't. But, to be fair, after they got married and him the same night, maybe as their wedding night, is out on the balcony and... He has, there's that scene like, oh, go back to sleep. I will like come get you later or whatever. I'll be back in a little bit. Right. It does set you up to when he does get whisked away by Mark Strong. I do have the feeling of that is a bummer. I do have that feeling. So like that was the one part that I was like, oh, they were going to start a life together and finally get to know each other and actually develop romance, (laughs) real love. I did feel that, but I but I was flooded with so many questions in that moment. One, why did Mark Strong banish him? Why didn't he just kill him? Right. Because John Carter doesn't have an amulet. And also, like, there's a whole incantation that Mark Strong has to say in order to send John Carter away. And during that whole time, John Carter didn't punch him in the face. The dog didn't right. jump up and, like, tackle him. Like, why did you just stand there? Liked the dog in this movie. I was. That is the note. I do like the dog. He's probably my favorite character. <laughs> When we find out he can, like, run really fast, I, I did like the dog. Okay. What do you think about Romance Corner? Yeah, I didn't believe the romance. It was, like, from the beginning, it just felt contrived and forced. I would have preferred that she would have been a little more, like, put off by him at first. Like, curious about how he has these powers, but also, like, disgusted by him or didn't, you know, like him. And we could see her turn, but right. I just, I didn't like it. I didn't believe it. This is sort of a... Um a visual choice that I'm not super down with at times. He seems pale and sickly it, like the, the <laughs> yes. makeup or whatever is going on. Like he's super ripped and he, he's supposed to be kind of an action hero. But I think what happened is they want to show like, see, he's different because he is from earth, but right. all these other Mars people have what looks like the worst nineties tan spray job yeah. on all of them. They're all sort of the same kind of orangey hue. Yep, yep. Very but tan. it ends up making him look kind of sickly and white, and he's got this eye makeup on throughout this movie that, like, ooh, yeah. I'm not sure, like, and his greasy hair doesn't look that great. And she has either, like, superimposed blue eyes or, like, some blue contacts that are unnerving in the way that she looks, that it's, like, between this tan sort of thing you got going on dyed hair and these super blue eyes yeah i don't know there was a disconnect for me in sort of their look together that i was like yeah i know you're supposed to look like worlds apart but this is distracting so i'm going to read the summary from imdb of this movie's plot and then i'm gonna ask you one final question okay (laughs) this is what this is how imdb describes this movie john carter 
transported to Barsoom, a Civil War vet discovers a barren planet seemingly inhabited by 12-foot-tall barbarians. Seemingly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Finding himself prisoner of these creatures, he escapes, only to encounter Wula and a princess in desperate need of a savior. This, that's not this movie. That's not this movie. <laughs> That's not the plot of this movie. It, it misses so much of this movie. I don't understand. I don't understand who wrote that. That's really bad. I think those are just like user submissions that get like upvoted. This is like the Reddit thread of <laughs> John Carter. I mean, the fact that the dog gets into the two-sentence summary of this movie is hilarious. There is a line that I thought was so ridiculous. At some point in time, I think it was Sola. Who, by the way, Sola is my favorite character from this. When she is trying to get herself yeah. a little halfling baby and no one wants her to have one. That was yeah. like the only emotional beat in this movie that I thought, oh. Yeah. And she like treats him as like, y- you have this guy to take care of now. And she's very tender with him. She yeah, is yeah. great. Sola says to them, Enough. There will be time for playfulness later. I want no playfulness from him. I want his help. It is so ridiculous. <laughs> this line. Yeah. I I that I can't. Man. There doesn't even seem to be like chemistry between them as far as like I would have liked if they would have actually had the like listen, we really like each other. We want to go play checkers with each other. We just don't <laughs> uh you know, we don't actually do we don't like each other in like the personal way. But I'm not even sure if there's any like chemistry physically between them. Not really. No. Well, Listeners, if you subject Sock. yourself to this movie, jump. Sock. <laughs> Sock. Tell us. But Virginia Sock. Virginia. That, was, that, got, that got annoying really fast. Really Sock. fast. Listener, tell us what you thought of this movie. Comment on the Instagram post when it goes up if you subjected yourself to it. No, I wait. I can't. I can't what? anymore. Hold on a second. I have one more thing. Sorry, I okay. can't even. Okay, go ahead. Plot wise, yeah. John Carter yeah. comes back. Meets right. the kid from Spy Kids, who is his nephew. Right. Kills the thern that's stalking him. Right. And goes like, all right, time to go back. You need to, can you guard my body? Because if my body dies here, it dies over there. Which, by the way, how do you know this? Because mm. I don't know this, and I've watched this whole movie. And how do you know that you have to keep this body alive? Anyway, if I was given someone the opportunity to watch my body so that therns don't come kill me, you know what I would do? I would not just be like, hey, uh, watch my body. Thanks. Got to go. And slowly close the door on your nephew. I would stay around for 30 more minutes and be like, you should probably, um, I should probably tell you more about the therns so that you can adequately protect my body from dying here. He does not even give his nephew a moment to be like, hey, how's your life going? It's more like, sorry, got to go. Right. He does leave very fast. Wish I could explain, (laughs) but apparently I can't. I just have to leave. And just closes the door to his, his own little mausoleum. Yeah. So ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Okay, now I'm ready. No, all right. Well, listeners, tell us what you thought. If this movie has any redeeming qualities. Maybe you love this movie. Let us know, too. At Movies on the Side on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Facebook page, at Movies on the Side. You can comment there. And if you haven't yet, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And lastly, don't forget to check out our bonus episode feed. There's a link in show notes, or you can go to mots.fm and click support the show. We do a bonus episode every week. I think in this one, I talk about the infestation that may have happened in my car. Oof. 
You'll have to listen to the bonus episode to find out. That's, again, links in the show notes, Monster.fm. Thanks for joining us. And as always, as Willem Dafoe says in this movie, you are ugly, but you are beautiful. (laughs) That's good. Whatever that means. (laughs)